Welcome to the Rapid Change Matters podcast. My name is Howard Cooper, and for over 14 years now, I've been fascinated with helping people to create personal change quickly. But I still come across many who believe that lasting personal change has to take a long time, consisting of reliving traumas or deep psychological analysis, or simply that flawed notion that understanding why you have a problem will somehow make it go away. I'm on a mission to get people who work therapeutically with others to shift their thinking and realize that these beliefs are not written in stone. Rapid change can happen. So, to help you open up to what's possible, I'm interviewing top therapists and agents of change who are out there getting real results with real people really quickly. Before we get to the interview, I just wanted to let you know that I've written a quick-to-read, downloadable PDF on five strategies to amplify your client's response, with some great tips on getting your therapeutic suggestions to really sizzle. You can download this for free from rapidchange.works, where you can also find all the information about this episode and episodes still to come. Now, over to the interview. Today we are joined by the amazing Tim Box, remedial hypnotist, international speaker and developer of the Control System, a powerful method for personal development which shows people how they can get direct communication with their own mind in a way that can make positive changes. Whilst he now trains and certifies control practitioners, he has also just released his first book, Clear Your Head, a simple guide to enjoying your life without anxiety getting in the way, which has quickly risen to become an Amazon bestseller. Welcome to this Rapid Change Conversation, Tim. Hello, Howard. How are you doing? You all right? All good, thank you. All good. Well, it's, it's great to have you here and um, really hoping we can jump straight in and tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got started. Uh, okay, yeah, so I, I got started about seven or eight years ago, maybe a bit longer than that now, when I learned to hypnotize. Uh, I did a weekend uh, sort of workshop thing with John Chase. Um, I, I, people always say to me, why did you go into that? And I've, I've honestly got no idea why I did it. I was, I think that year I learned to juggle and learned some magic tricks. It was just, you know, for pure personal development and, I don't know, curiosity. I suppose. And it just completely changed, you know, blew my mind the way I was thinking about things. And, uh, but it wasn't actually until later I went into change work. It was, um, I had a friend that I would practice on when I was sort of learning my different hypnosis techniques, if you like. And, uh, she wanted to get married without having to wear false fingernails. And she was a very bad nail biter. So mm-hmm. she just said, can you help me with that? Uh, I said, I don't know how to do that. I've never done anything like that. That wouldn't be ethical. Uh, so let's have a go. And, um, we did something, didn't think it had worked. A couple of weeks later, she said to me, look, all my nails have grown back. And, um, yeah, I couldn't believe it because she was such a, you know, she would only know she was biting her nails when she tasted blood, things like that. So it just blew my mind completely. And it's like that moment in the cartoons where the, the clouds part and the sun shines down. And it's like that ah moment. <laughs> and um, and then I, I just sort of, I dived down the rabbit hole from there, really. I, I, I did all the sort of the diplomas and the therapeutic uh, courses. I've chased down John again a couple of other people I got to mentor me and just kind of made it my life from there. Um, and it was good because at the time I was, I was working as a plumber in my, in my family plumbing company. So um, it, was a, it was terrific to escape from that. But um, yeah, and it, I just completely made it, made it my existence, if you like. And then it was a few years ago, really, where I am now, working with people 
without any trance, uh, getting without actually doing things to them, but getting them to do things for themselves, if you know what I mean. Changed, changed the way I worked slightly a few years back, um, and that was where the control system came from. Um, yeah, and, and now I, I just I see clients one-to-one, I teach workshops and all that sort of stuff, really. And, and tell us, because I'm curious about a, a little more about how, how this, I mean, what the control system is specifically, and how did it, how did it emerge? Um, it emerged because, as I said, I got rid of trance work very early on in my practice. I stopped doing the eyes closed, you know, sleepy, sleepy, relaxy, relaxy thing, because I just couldn't see the point of it, if I'm honest. And there's, it would be a longer story to explain what made me not fail to see the point of it anymore, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, but I, I was working with a client. We do. She came for her follow-up session, and um, she said, you know what, when I left here, it was all brilliant. It was 100% as I wanted it. But um, then I realized a couple of days it, it wasn't quite right. And I said, well, okay, let's work on that today. And she said, oh, no, no, I don't need to, because that thing that we did together, I did it for myself, and I put it right, and it is bang on. It's 100% now. Um, she said, I don't need you, do I? And I was like, oh, hang on, somebody's noticed. And, um, and then I, I just got me thinking. It happened to be the last session before I went away on holiday one year. And, of course, you know, you go on holiday and you've got none of that rubbish in your head about all the daily tasks and the chores and the admin. And you've just got time to think. And my creative side came out and I started to think, OK, what if I could teach people just to do it for themselves, to take me out of the equation and then get them to make all these changes, great changes that us hypnotists make, get them to make it for themselves and um, that was where I sort of I, I reverse engineered what I had been doing with my clients and broke it down to the steps that would would need to be taken to get the changes for themselves whenever they wanted to make changes then I came back from that holiday sort of wrote it all out booked a workshop see, to see who's interested got uh, half a dozen of the people that I really really trust that actually hadn't been to see me or knew anything about my methods and just got them in a room asked them to pick something they wanted to change about themselves they all changed it on the day and was like, okay, we've got something here. Um, and yeah, it went from there, really. It's interesting talking to you because what you describe about the control system when you suddenly realize, hey, hang on, people could realize that they could do this for themselves. They wouldn't need me. Mm. How is it different from self-hypnosis? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, I, I'd struggle to answer that one easily. I'm so um, sorry, Tim. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. I knew you'd, you'd throw the difficult ones at me that I should have an answer for. Um, <laughs> the, the difference between standard self-hypnosis, there's, there's no imagining, there's no language patterns, there's no visualizing, all that sort of stuff. It's just direct communication with the bit of you that's running the negative pattern of thought. Um, there's, it, it is, you know, when you say how does it differ from self-hypnosis, it might not, but I don't see anyone doing this sort of self-hypnosis, if you know what I mean. It is, literally is. You do um, a change work session with yourself. Um, and that's the best way I can explain it without kind of literally going through the whole system with you step by step. Hmm. Um, what, what tends to happen is the effect of it is that you start to spontaneously upgrade your thinking about various things in your life so an example i would give is that i obviously started to do because i'm not a good hypnotee so hypnosis since i've known it since i've been doing it for others has never been an option for me to make changes i'm i'm rubbish mm -hmm. um but i had to make changes for myself in terms of things like social anxiety public speaking fear uh, fear of confrontation all these sorts of things that hold us back when we want to sort of go out there and achieve um, and I had to find a way of making these changes. So I've done the system with myself many, many times. And what happens to me now 
is, I mean, me and the control practitioners, we sort of jokingly call it the control state <laughs> that, we, that we get into, where as soon as we bring something into our conscious awareness that we want to change, our mind just sets to changing it. And before we know it, it's changed. So, you know, we might say, oh, I've really got to do something about my fear of heights or something. Then the next day, we're up in a higher place and suddenly it doesn't bother us anymore. But we haven't directly done anything to change it. Our mind is just now very used to upgrading, if you see wow. what I mean. My, my, my model for how this works is that we upgrade all the time. We've done it all our lives. The, whole, the classic one is, you know, we were crawling along the floor as a baby. We learned how to walk on two feet. We thought, hang on, this is easier on the knees. I'm getting places a bit faster. I'll keep walking rather than go back to crawling. Yeah. Now, we, we should be doing that all the time. When we say, hang on, I'm afraid of spiders, and I know now that spiders can't hurt me. I should just be able to change that. But we don't because there are barriers in the way, barriers of belief, barriers of things that we've built up. Um, we should just be naturally upgrading to the better pattern of thought. When we know how to remove those barriers, we can do it. You know, our mind can do it instantly. We, we, this is what we're talking about, isn't it? instant change, mm. rapid change. Um, there's a moment where we are a certain way and there's a moment when we are not that way anymore. It's about how do we make that moment happen? Yeah. So I think what's 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 interesting around this is that there are many who might see therapeutic interaction as someone is locked in their their way of thinking uh mm -hmm. their, their map of the world uh, mm -hmm. and there are certain boundaries locked in there which means that they can't see their way out because it's it's their own yeah world yeah. Well, and the job of the therapeutic uh, interaction is that you get an external person who can can help them out mm -hmm. whereas here it's interesting because it feels like it's changed but without that external source being needed yeah, absolutely. That's 100% correct. But the thing is, what do we hear people say most often when they come in to get this change? They say, I know it's stupid. I know I shouldn't feel this way. And then you'll say to them how it should be. And they say, see, I know this. You're telling me things I know. The thing I get tired of saying is, yeah, I only sit here telling people things they already know. Yeah. And then when they tell us their story, they already know their story. But we've got to learn it now. And then I've got to give it back to them in a different way. But their logical, conscious bit of them has already worked out the answer they want. Now, if we buy into the idea that we have to go back and re-examine it from a therapist's point of view, then all we're doing is doing that re-traumatizing thing. What if we say, look, you know it's not right for you now. What if we could deliver that message to the bit of you that's in charge of this pattern of thought and just get it to realize this isn't right for you now? For whatever reason we need to give, and then you move forward without that bit of you triggering that pattern anymore and triggering a better one. It's, I'll tell you something, Howard. It's, um, if it's anything, it's stupidly simple. It's very straightforwardly simple. It deliberately breaks away all of the fluff, all of the things that only therapists can do. Yeah. And it creates, it, it empowers the client truly in as much as we as hypnotherapists or hypnotists will say to people, it's you doing this change, not me. We're empowering you. Then we say, lay on the couch, I'll put you to sleep. When you wake up, it'll all be fixed. That's not empowering. That's, that's deliberately disempowering. The, the way I want to do it is I want them to know they've done it. Um, and that's why they will make further changes in the future. And none of those barriers that have held them back will be there anymore. It's, it's very interesting hearing you talk about this. And there's a theme that runs through a lot of the podcast interviews that I do around this idea of passivity and, and, and how do mm. we help people stop being so passive in yeah. their own existence? Because let's be honest, if, uh, if they have a different perception of being actively engaged in the process of living, it's more mm. generative. 
You know, they yeah. go and change a whole lot of stuff. I'm, I'm curious because it's beginning to nudge me towards an answer you gave when I in the rapid fire round, yes. um, which for those people who are listening to the full interview uh, at the bottom of Tim's page right now, you'll be able to click down and, and go back and listen to his rapid fire round. But I, I did ask, ask you, Tim, I said, can you think of a concept or an idea that you used to believe was true, but you've subsequently changed your mind about? And you kind of gave uh, what I would say is this uh, quite a direct stage hypnotist response um, of disputing, perhaps changing your mind around this idea that uh, in trance, everything that you say will become someone's reality. Yeah. Um, And I'm wondering whether you could elaborate a little bit more on on, on that and why Um, you changed your opinion of that. Okay, why why I believed it originally because I was mm. taught it. Yeah. Why I don't believe it now because uh, it's not true. <laughs> that, I can't. I, I'm not sure I can give you a better answer than that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, basically. So you. I, and honestly, I don't. I'm not sure I can elaborate on that yeah. um, because every hypnotist there ever was has had that occasion where they don't understand why that suggestion wasn't accepted. Why it didn't happen, and then they frame it. Oh, they weren't deep enough, or you know, they they I gave the I said the suggestion wrong. No, I don't believe that. I mean, it's it's my belief, and I'm I know that there's going to be people listening to this saying, oh, well, you don't understand. You're not a good hypnotist, then, Tim. And okay, that's fine. I'm not I'm not interested in arguing it because I work on a certain uh, principle on how this works. For me, I'm, I mean, I've I've delivered the suggestion in the most ridiculously wrong way. Um, which should never have worked, but because we both understood me and the hypnotist understood what I was intending, their mind was able to make it real. Mm. And so their mind did because it wanted to. Okay. And at the same time, I've done everything right, done all the methods, done exactly as it should be done with the best hypnotist in the room, and then it hasn't taken. And I'm like, well, okay, I need to understand, um, at least on some level, why I can't guarantee the result. And the reason for that is because I don't know the person in front of me. I don't know what they can do. Yeah, and I don't know what they want to do. There's the X factor, the thing that the reason we can't really do scientific experiments about hypnosis, because you can't do a control experiment because everyone is unique and you're dealing with a different set of materials each time. And so I know that I can, you know, I know that I can't guarantee I can control you. And anyone, any hypnotist that says they can, then then do it to every single person and show me. But you can't. So let's move on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's let's think about how we get results for people rather than to people. You know? One of the first books I was given to read was uh, a book of like experiments, uh, hypnosis experiments. Where And the last two in the book, one was done, I think, by Erickson. One was done by Esther Brooks, I think. Mm. And and they were they were both the same experiment. One, it was to show whether you can manipulate somebody to do something out of character or against their will using hypnosis, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Erickson who was seeking to prove you couldn't, Esther Brooks was seeking to prove you could, and they both did it. They both achieved their result, Yeah. you know, but because that's from their reality. And I think with hypnosis, you know, the really great hypnotists, the ones that seem to be able to just make anyone do anything, it's because they believe they can and the person they're working with as a result adopts that belief. But, I mean, there's something um, – I was at one of the hypnosis conferences, and, and I thought what, what summed it up perfectly in terms of are, are they going to accept every suggestion. Um, James Tripp answered a question there, and it was uh, can, can somebody bring themselves out of trance at any time? 
without the hypnotist's permission? His answer was, uh, yes, they can, but they don't realize they can. And, and that's the point. You're in control at all times. At every single moment of this interaction, your subconscious mind is in charge, is in control of you. Now, all we're doing is really trying to get the subconscious to listen to us as the hypnotist then. And our mm -hmm. success depends on how completely the person's subconscious is willing and, and ready to do exactly as it's told. Tim, the way you're talking, it almost sounds as though you uh, would Im embrace this idea of intu the intention of the hypnotist being, or yeah. the change worker being important. Massively important. Yeah, <laughs> intent is the, is the first is the first port of call, isn't it? You got to you got to fix your intent. Um, you know, some I remember John Chase saying somebody in the room's got to be certain of what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that's <laughs> that's kind of a good point, really. You know, I think um, when your client comes in and they're like, well, and you know, how many times do we hear this? I don't. I'm kind of. I was, you're my last time. I don't really think it's ever going to change, but I'll, I'll give this a go. You know, and, and you've got to at least have the intention of proving them wrong on that one. Yeah. And, and, and I think our intent is, is massive. Yeah. It, would you agree? Would you think, say that intent is the same as congruence? And, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sure. To be, that's a really good question. At the same time, it might be just a really tedious question in terms of it's one of those things that us hypnotists debate without it really mattering a stuff. You know, mm. it's just and, and I wonder if it's just one of those things where we that you remember ages ago, everyone was saying, is it a state or is it a process? And it's like, well, OK, does it matter, though, if, if we know what we're doing, do we need to completely define it? When I teach people um, how to do this stuff, when I teach people hypnosis, the first thing I do is say, look, don't worry about how you're defining hypnosis. We go through different definitions of hypnosis we realize every hypnotist has a different definition of what they're actually doing and what hypnosis is and then we say well screw it then just get rid of it as long as we know what we're trying to achieve let's we don't need that that cast iron watertight definition of what it is we're doing i think one of the things that i'm finding so interesting about you is that yes you've done some of the traditional training but then yeah. you've managed to kind of formulate and carve out your own protocol your own ideas and your own thoughts around this I mean, have you got advice to other change workers around how they could go out and formulate their own thinking about that? Is that is that a good idea for people to do? Or? Yeah, I think it's vital because you just talked about congruence and I think you've got to be congruent. The reason I stopped doing get on the couch and go into trance because I did I had no congruence with it anymore. I didn't believe it was a necessary part of the process. Mm. So I, you know, hesitantly removed it from my process. And guess what? My results were just as good, if not better. You know, but I'm not saying my, my system is better than anyone else's, but for me it's better because I'm completely congruent with it and, I, and this is how I feel comfortable working. And I know we put a lot of emphasis on doing what the client can do and make, making sure they, um, what we're, the technique we're using is the right one for them, but you've got to work within the framework that you feel really, really good about and that you can give the best of you within yeah and and that's that's what i'm i'm doing here i found a way of working simply because i couldn't work that other way if i had to do trance with every single client if i had to do 20 30 minute relaxation inductions and all that sort of thing i wouldn't be doing this anymore mm. it wouldn't have it doesn't resonate with me i don't enjoy it i spoke to um fantastic uh, hypnotherapist lorraine gleason in portsmouth and she said i love trance i wouldn't i couldn't be without it and i'm like that's brilliant that's why you're going to keep doing it and have your superb results doing that because you love it and that and your clients are getting a completely congruent approach with that 
but it wouldn't it wasn't from me it wasn't from me at all so i love I, that and, and we, we've talked about this i know when we very first spoke on, on the phone a little while ago um mm. we ended up talking a little bit about um this uh, this footage i'd seen of, of ericsson talking mm. about you know you know people shouldn't try and copy him you know, mm. if you talk fast, talk fast. If you if you talk slow, talk slow. Yeah, we, yeah. we don't need another uh, another mimic uh, of mm. Ericsson, and we don't need another, I guess, uh, Tim Box, and we don't need another Howard Cooper. What we need is people to to be doing and finding yeah. what works for them, and and being absolutely. because it aids with intention and congruence and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I would totally agree with that. I think the first thing that I was taught was don't don't be a copy of the person that is training you and, and be you. And this is why I don't like scripts. I mean, scripts have their place, obviously, and we all repeat our own scripts that we haven't written down, but we just say the same things over and over again because we've said them so many times with so many clients. But I don't like scripts because as soon as you read someone else's words, it doesn't matter how long that person has known you, whether they've only known you for half an hour um, if you use words you wouldn't normally use in conversation, it will convey it to them. They'll realise these are not your words. This is not you saying this. This is a this is a script. This is something that doesn't sit right with you. Thereby, it doesn't sit right with me. Tim, changing track slightly and going back uh, to a little bit more specifics about the the, the control system. Would you yep. do you talk about or do you think there is something that we would refer to as an unconscious an unconscious mind or do you refer to it in a different way how, how I, do you I just, explain uh, yeah, it to people yeah i don't call it i don't say the unconscious because again i'm not i'll, I'll say subconscious because mm-hmm. and the only reason really i don't i don't know whether that's an important distinction but um i just because you say unconscious and people then their mind goes to being asleep and being unconscious again which is nothing to do with what we're doing i don't want you unconscious i want you subconscious if you know what i mean so I, call, I do, I totally, uh, interesting phrase, buy into, um, you know, I, I buy into that in the same way I buy into gravity and evolution. You know, it's, it's the way it is as far as I'm concerned. There are bits you are aware of, there are bits you are unaware of. And um, there's a load of stuff that you don't traditionally have access to that is running the show for you. Mm. Um, and that's that's what I, that's the framework I use. And uh, I explain it to my clients this way. Yeah, you, your, your mind is like a ship. And every ship has a captain and a crew. The captain is your logical conscious mind, the bit of you that's got a plan, knows where you want to go, knows where you're going there, knows how you're going to get there. Um, but unfortunately, the bit that's steering and sailing this ship is the crew. And that's your subconscious. Now, if the crew's listening to the captain, it's plain sailing. But unfortunately, they seldom are. <laughs> and so we've got to get the crew and the captain working together. That's, that's the whole model of how I work. It, it, well, you'll often hear me talking about we've got to talk to the right member of the crew because there's one of your crew that's doing something that's very old and now very inappropriate. And we just need to open up the possibility that there's something better. And here's the thing. None of your crew are trying to sink your ship. That's the thing I, I don't think that people get in everyday life. Your, your crew are trying to find the best strategy for the most happiness. That's mm-hmm. it. Bottom line. If there's something going wrong, it's because a member of your crew is doing something it believes is a pursuit of happiness in some way, even if all it is is to fulfill some safety protocol. Yeah, it's, it's a long-term goal for happiness. And, uh, and we've just got to speak to the right crew members and, and get them to do the better thing because they would love to have a better job. You know, than the bit that habitually makes you anxious about everything and things like that, you know. Tell me, um, 
because I'm, as you know, this is the rapid change matters uh, theme, yes. and I'm convinced that there are still lots of therapists out there, even hypnotherapists, even NLPers, even brief solution focused therapists who mm-hmm. are still taking a long time over results or still have little beliefs that well you know you've got to do a little bit of deep analysis don't you mm. a little bit of self-reflection you got to, you got to relive a little bit of past trauma don't you to create change <laughs> and so on um yeah. how far would you would you say that the past is important in moving forwards i think most of the time it doesn't um but having said that for me, I'm looking for the barriers that have stopped you from automatically upgrading, okay? Now, a barrier might be, oh, but when I was six, I learned that this was what needed to happen. This is how I, I'm meant to respond, yeah? Now, we don't have to revisit that in any way at all, but knowing that that's when it started, that now gives me the ammunition to be able to deliver a better answer, yeah? I can now tell that bit of the subconscious, look, you learned this to look after a six-year-old, and guess what? You're, you know, 36 now. You don't need that safety protocol anymore. So I don't need to revisit it. But knowing that that's when it started, yeah, that might be a value. But I tell you what, if it is a value, the person will tell you within the first five minutes of you chatting with them. Yeah, because it will come out. Their subconscious will throw it forward to you and will say, well, you know what? This has been since I was six years old and this thing happened to me. There it is. Okay, that's the last time you'll have to mention that. And we're going to move forward and and change something going forward rather than looking at changing something that happened in the past. That's that's the way I think about it. It's fantastic. Can you give me a couple of real examples? I mean, obviously, I know you're a change worker. You've probably got hundreds. But a couple that pop out in your mind as being ones where if you imagined someone from a perhaps counselling viewpoint sitting in, listening to this podcast would make Mm. them go, you know, put their finger in their ear and scratch a few times and go, you what? Really? Did I hear that correctly? That can't possibly have happened. (laughs) God, probably, yeah, loads, probably. (laughs) One that just jumped into mind as you were saying that, uh, was one. This was kind of one of the things I, I learned something very, very major for myself with with a client right early days when I was practicing, probably the first year or two. Um, and a lady brought um, her daughter to see me. Her daughter was about 26 years old at the time, I think. And she had a, a real morbid fear of needles. I mean, an awful thing. She could, if she had to have a blood test, then two weeks before the blood test, she would start to lose sleep, pull her hair out, all that sort of thing. By the time it came to the blood test, they were just dragging a hysterical woman into the into the foyer of the hospital. Um, so, but unfortunately, she uh, developed cancer, and mm-hmm. she had to have an operation that was a life-saving operation. It was, you know, this, we can fix you, sort of thing, but you're going to need to have an operation that's going to involve needles, it's going to involve a cannula, um, and there was, and she couldn't bear the thought of it, and. I worked with her. We did we did some hypnosis. I was doing trance at the time. So the, the lady was in trance as we were working. Um, and I was about to do the standards of, you know, I, I was doing um, idiomotor responses with the fingers, you know, yes and no responses, which I, I do a lot of work. I love working like that. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going to ask the question, do you remember? Because she couldn't remember a time when needles had freaked her out or, you know, when it actually happened. And I was going to do that thing of, do you remember when you first became aware of needles being scary things that sort of thing but then i thought you know this is really stupid because this is literally going to save her life this operation there is no way her family are going to let this woman not have the procedure because she's afraid of needles and i said to her subconscious i said look there's an easy way and a hard way of doing everything the hard way is we have this operation because it's happening whether you like it or not the hard way is we have it but we have it with fear of the needles and everything is 10 times harder than it's going to be and it's already going to be difficult anyway 
The easy way is we switch off that fear and get, get on with saving her life. I said, do you want to do this the hard way? Got the no response. Should we do it the easy way? Yes. I'm going to click my fingers, take that fear down to zero and let me know when it's done. Click my fingers, done. That was it. Opened her eyes, wasn't afraid of needles anymore. Amazing. But that told me there was a bit of her actively, deliberately pursuing a fear of needles, deliberately triggering that, and it could deliberately not trigger it just as easily. I didn't need to go back to the the initial, you know, sensitizing event and reframe it and look at it from different eyes and and put on my hug, hug the person, the little child involved. I just said, look, you trying to make this hard or easy? And that crew member on her ship said, you know what? Put it like that. You're right. And it did it. That's 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 just so cool, and I love I love hearing things like that, mm. um, because that really shakes up the idea of you know hey how are we working with people and what's possible. Yeah. See, I don't think, and again, I don't think that's some miraculous result. You know, you've got you're going to have hypnotists, hypnotherapists, other change workers out there saying, yeah, we we get those sorts of results all the time, and we absolutely do. But for me, the interesting ones are the ones that just make you think about it a little bit differently. You know, because we we make the mistake of talking to people's conscious perception of what's going on rather than their subconscious, actually active part doing this emotional response. You know, we we have a bit of us trying to deliver a message to our conscious. And the only way it can deliver this message is via our emotions. If we can actually get access to that part, we can just ask it to flick a different switch and it will. So it's really interesting because it seems like there's a real... What's the word? Whilst there's total, almost instantaneous change, mm-hmm. and and this this idea of it being a flick of a switch, yeah, it's also doing that in a way that empowers them, which is the yeah. the opposite of a lot of the ways I hear you know therapy being pitched when it is around. Well, you know, I just turned the switch off for them. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the thing. I I never say you're going to do this now whether you like it or not. Well, I say never. There there are occasions when that's exactly what their mind needs to do, have is to just be told. Yeah. Mm. But the, my general thing is, what can you do? What can't you do? What do you like? What don't you like? Because the thing is, you, you got this um, one of the, the bits of paper you sent over. You touched on the idea of what creates lasting change. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's a really important question because we've all had those results that seem almost temporary or like they, they wear off almost. You know, what creates lasting change is the part of you that is in charge of that emotional response totally understanding 100% that that old response is crap and doesn't do you any good. And this new response is awesome. And I'm going to move towards that from now on. Um, We can all get somebody's mind to adopt something different for a short time. We've all done it. Um, But the lasting change comes when that bit of you suddenly realizes that old strategy is not the right one anymore. And actually, I need to find a better one long term going forward. As soon as that happens, yeah, you know, but it is. It's a flick of a switch. Let's not because you weren't born with this response. You learned it. So let's learn something better. I mean, I know that's a that's not a revolutionary idea, is it? That's a, that's a very common theme. It was a learned response. As soon as your mind learns a better one. Um, and especially if we can shine that torch on that better thing and say, look, this was the old thing. This is the, isn't this better? We just mm. we just move on. We go on to the better thing. It's it's how we've evolved by finding better ways of doing things and then going for it. You know, it's interesting because on the one hand it almost seems very magical, and on the other hand it seems totally and utterly natural. Because is it not true that people are changing 
all the time without even without therapists heaven forbid exactly. you know we rewire all the time we update we grow our brain grows every day we have we are our computer is constantly being programmed by our five senses yeah so it's mm. always changing whether we like it or not you know when, when you know we get this thing where sometimes people have a fear of change and it's almost like we get like that crisis of change where even though this was horrible what we're experiencing it was our uncomfortable comfort zone you know where we don't want to change from it yet you know when you point out to people you're changing every day you have an option to let the world change you or have you change you in the way that you want to be what do you want what options do you want you know what do you want to take and i think when we take control of our own changes that's what is that's what naturally we should be doing it isn't a miracle that we change it's uh, it would be a miracle if we didn't you know so we it's we just take charge of that change and move ourselves in the direction we need to go so are, are there people for whom they turn up let's say they've had a problem for 30 40 years you mm-hmm. it, it goes you watch and you see a, a palpable change, yeah. but they're still yeah. there going, yeah, but come on. It can't, it can't really be that simple. It can't really have gone that quickly. Surely, how do you deal with that? And, and or, or does it even come up? It, sometimes it does. I mean, because obviously you've got to remember that I'm not even giving them a bit of eyes closed, relaxed, sleepy bit while we're doing it. We're, they're literally sitting there. We're talking to their subconscious and we're negotiating a change. Mm. And they almost miss the change. <laughs> they, they don't see it happening. They, they, and I've, I've had people before. I remember a lady with fear of heights and she was saying, I don't understand how that just changed my fear of heights that I've had all my life. And, and I said, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't completely understand it, but let's find out, you know. And she couldn't, you know, she couldn't re-trigger it when she was thinking about it, which she could easily do previously. So the indicator is that it has already changed. And then, you know, it's later on that we get the text message from the top of the ski slope and all that sort of thing where she's feeling amazing. Um, but, yeah, people, sometimes people refuse to believe it. And I think um, it's just lovely when they, they realise it then, though, isn't it? That's, that's just the awesome bit. Tell, tell me, Tim, um if there are people listening and they're just getting into change work or they want to embark on that journey to change work, what advice would you give them? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, get some really good training um, and find find uh, in a methodology that you think will resonate with you as well. Mm. I think the I think we've probably lost a lot of really good change workers um, because they just learnt with the wrong person and, and it didn't resonate with them. Um, I so when I'm training people, I I have them in for an afternoon in my clinic observing me working. And yesterday I had one of my trainees in, and I had one. You know, we get those sessions where it's like, oh my god, this is like this is the most difficult person in the world. I've literally found the person that has come here, even though they have no intention of changing whatsoever. And and it was just, and I said to him afterwards, I said, I'm so glad you saw that because that's it's really unusual. But this is, you know, you might get this sometimes, and we, you know, you got to deal with it. And he said, is that what everyone's like? <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. That's like the one in a hundred. Um, and he said, thank God for that, because if that's what everyone was like, I wouldn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, you, when you go for your first trainings, you might not resonate with the first thing. The first person that you go to, they, they might not be the right trainer for you. Um, I mean, I was lucky. One of the first things that John Chase said to me, one of the first things he drilled into us was keep it simple. And, it, you know, that clicks with me. That's what I do. That's what I want to do. That's what everything I've ever done since has been all about. Break it down to its simplest component parts and work with that. And um, But if I'd have gone to somebody where, I don't know, we'd have done like, you know, a, 
a massive you know language pattern and and all that sort of stuff training it wouldn't have resonated with me and i've been out the door so um actually if i the second training i did the first actual proper I say proper, you know, the sort of NCH diploma training. Mm. If that had been my first training, I, I would have stopped there, wouldn't have gone into it. It was only because I'd done training with John previously that I knew how it could work. And yeah. that's what I loved. And I knew I had to get back to what I loved once I'd done that, that diploma training. Um, so that's what I would say is, is hunt people down and just find people that you think you're going to enjoy being in their company with as well. Because they're the people that are going to unlock all the magic for you because you listen to them and they'll convey their message in a way that just resonates with you. Um, and and I, I think we should always look for trainers that inspire us. Um, and, and we have a great advantage that we can see them all online. We can see all their videos and they can talk to us through the screen and we can say, do you know, what? I, do I like the, your manner? Do I like the cut of your jib or do I not? You know, and, and I would advise anyone to train with somebody where they can actually get interaction with them, albeit online, but hopefully face to face um, first and then see if they're the right person for you. Because I think going into this, you will fly if you love the system, if you love the trainer, if you love, if you just love the experience of becoming a change worker, you will fly. You will be busy. You will have people coming to see you because, you know, we talk about that congruence. We just spoke about mm. that. You will have that total congruence in, in a love of what you do and helping people. And, and that's the best advice I think I could I could give people. That, that, that's just fantastic. And and if people are listening and they, they like the sound or they like the cut of your jib, Yes. Um, where, where can they go? What can they do to get in touch? Where should they okay, go? Okay, if you want to, um, my website is thecontrolsystem.co.uk. Um, you can see me on there. You can see some of my videos. Um, I do train people in my system, um, but I only, only train a few at a time. Um, and, and this is very deliberate, obviously. I don't, when it's my name on the system, I've got to make sure everyone that has a certificate in their hand is somebody that, that deserves to brandish one, if you know what I mean. So, and I generally, the first step towards, you know, coming to see, coming to train with me is to come and do a one day workshop. That, like the thing I, I formulated when I came back off that holiday, um, do the control system, learn how to apply it to yourself. If you like the system, then talk to me about maybe training to be a practitioner. That's that's the process, really. I, I want to see you for a day on a workshop first. You'll meet me. I'll meet you. Then we know we're going to have a good time training together. And I know that you'll be the sort of person that can do it, you know. Fantastic. And obviously, we'll put the links uh, to all of your contact details on, on the episode uh, information on the rapidchange.works page. Um, tell me, is there anything that... Um, you thought when we when we talked about you coming on the podcast that you thought mm. would come up about rapid change, uh, but that just I haven't asked directly. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's funny. You should say that because there is. I, I kind of okay. You know, we did the, the the rapid fire questions. Yeah. And the first one, what's the worst advice currently being given out within the world of change work? I do. Um, I nearly the answer I nearly gave was the the what's being given to new hypnotists a lot of the time at the moment is. It's always done in one session, and if it's not done in one session, you're doing it wrong somehow. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's a horrendous way to train people and a framework to give people. Um, we know change happens in a moment. We don't know when that moment will come. And if we give our clients the idea that everyone gets fixed in one, you know, those those practitioners, they think they're being really like, I'm giving the belief it's going to work. Everyone gets changed in one. You can absolutely guarantee it. Then you say, if you if you should need another one in the off, you know, you can come back and 
for free. Obviously, you won't, but, you know, I'm so certain I'll give you a free return session if it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. If it hasn't worked, they're not coming back because guess what? You said it had happened in one and it didn't work. So you won't hear from them again. And they'll be out there saying it doesn't work. And I think we have to um, take the pressure off our clients and say, yeah, you know, most of the time it happens in one. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be with you along the way. So this is why my last session um, is the one they don't need. It's the one they come back and they tell me about how amazing it is face to face with me. And we just say, isn't life awesome? You know, it's that, it's that sort of really feel good thing, because. You know, you, you've got to guarantee them coming back so that you can guarantee their result. You know, we talk about that lasting change thing. Mm. You've, got to, you've got to kind of consolidate and make sure it's all going to happen for them. Otherwise, you know, you just become one of those people that says, I have a 100% success rate because we can all have a 100% success rate of people feeling better as they leave the room. Um, but that isn't lasting change. And I think that, that I thought would come up uh, that didn't come up mm. was talking about, is it all done in one? And, I'm, uh, I'm really pleased that you 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 brought that up um, because and it's funny because I ended up talking uh, recently on uh, Adam Eason's podcast uh, yes. around around that and obviously having a rapid change podcast uh, and having a theme around rapid change that kind of yeah. comes up and I I myself think that there is a dark side of the connotations of rapid change even despite yeah. the fact that that's what I'm all about yeah. which is the pressure that it puts on people and that there's a danger if they don't change after you know one session. Mm. Oh, that they're going to turn around and go, oh, just I can't be fixed now. Exactly. I, I can't be sorted out because, yeah. and the reality is, if they've had a problem for 30, 40 years and they do an hour and they have an hour and a half chat with someone, the idea yeah. that they that they didn't change at that moment uh, somehow means that they're totally screwed forever or that yeah. they cannot be fixed is also ludicrous and we have to yeah. be able to take the pressure off them. So thank you. Tim for, for raising that so eloquently no problem no problem Tim it's been so great having you on uh, and chatting really about all of it. this oh, stuff it's been awesome been awesome thank you very much for inviting me on it's been awesome A- absolute pleasure and uh, yeah really enjoyed it so th- thank you and from uh, myself from all of our listeners um, yeah really appreciate your time today thank you I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did why not share it with anyone you think might be interested and even head over to iTunes to give us a glowing review You'll find more about what's coming up on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rapid change works. And of course, you'll find all the links related to this episode, plus those free five steps to getting your suggestions to sizzle over at rapidchange.works.